Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we continue our 32 for 32 series with a look at the Tennessee Titans. Started off the 2020 season with a nice 5-0 start, truly featured one of the league's best offenses from start to finish. Had some ups and downs the rest of the way, but ultimately entered the playoffs as an 11-5 squad. Unfortunately, could not replicate their 2019 win over the Ravens and fell 20-13 in the wildcard round. Again, offense looked great the whole season, but when you had the 24th-ranked scoring defense that struggled to really get pressure on pretty much anybody, Things just were not meant to be for 2020 Titans. But Ryan Tannehill's back. Derrick Henry's back. A.J. Brown's back. Maybe just maybe they can turn the defense around ahead of 2021 and get back into having some true January success. So I want to preview, again, a true contender's offseason here with a very special guest. He is an ESPN NFL Nation reporter, member of the Pro Football Writers Association. That is Teron Davenport. You can follow on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL. Teron, thanks for your time, man. Happy offseason. Hey, what's going on, man? Appreciate you having me. Again, we got Tennessee Titans fever here today. And again, I hate contender, like a legit team that offense can score with anybody. But obviously, we got some holes we need to fill ahead of next season with both the coaching staff. Those have been filled, but now with the personnel side of things. So we're going to do this, you know, usual schedule in these episodes, three team needs, gut feel around with some workload related questions ahead of 2021. And we'll get out of here with a bull call from Tehran for the rest of the offseason. So, Tehran, without further ado, give me your three team needs for the 2021 Titans. Yeah, I think it's pass rush, pass rush, and pass rush. <laughs> no, uh, obviously, that being said, pass rush is the big need. A lot of it is going to depend on what happens with Corey Davis as far as the second need. But I think regardless, they still need to address the cornerback, or excuse me, the receiver position. That's even, like I said, regardless of what happens with Davis, they need to figure out where a- Adam Humphreys is going to go, You know what's going to happen with him. He's had concussions. Uh, he just – working through a, a major one that happened last year. So that's something to consider where they need a slot guy. Either way, they're going to need someone to be a vertical threat that Khalif Raymond is, a, is an undrafted. It's going to be, you know, on a restricted free agent. So he will likely be moving on, but regardless, they need to upgrade there. The third position, in my opinion, it, and it could, it could go either way. You could say cornerback, you could say offensive line. I'm going to say cornerback just because, Malcolm Butler, his contract is going to be hitting a higher number over the next couple of years. He's at $14 million this year, and he'll be around there next year as far as the cap's concerned. But Dory Jackson is, on, is playing on the fifth-year option. After that, you have a lot of question marks. Are you going to resign Desmond King? Or is Christian Fulton going to develop into that guy that you drafted him to be? So those are a couple of things. So I would say pass rush, receiver, cornerback. Yeah, between cornerback and O-line, I mean, two things we obviously want to build up on any roster, but based on, again, the Titans' aforementioned struggles on defense last year, I agree. It makes sense to develop a little bit, a little bit more resources to that side of the ball if it is between uh, those two groups. want to go back to what uh, you were talking about with the receiver because, yeah, you know, regardless of kind of how the Adam Humphrey things plays out with Corey Davis as an unrestricted free agent, yeah, they got to wonder about, A, are they going to be able to bring him back, or B, are they going to devote some serious resources to replacing him? So as it stands right now, we're recording this on February 15th, do you think Corey Davis will be back? And if not, do you see them making a play for one of these, you know, higher price free agent wide receivers or at least using a higher end draft pick at the position? That's a tough question. Uh, it is. It's a really tough question. I, I think they want him to be back, but it just depends on that number. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for the sake of, of not sitting on the fence, I'm going to say he'll be back. I believe they'll be able to, to figure out a number that works for all parties and, and bring him back. And he settled in perfectly into a role opposite A.J. Brown. He's a guy that will definitely benefit from a lot of coverage, as you saw this past season, 
a lot of coverage rolling over to A.J. Brown's side. Corey Davis is able to eat on the backside as a one-on-one receiver. That definitely helps. And then his downfield block. He is really the epitome of what that offense wants as far as what Arthur Smith wanted last year and what I would imagine Todd Downing wants this year. Selfless, productive, and maximizing opportunities. Yeah. Has he met expectations as a former number five overall pick? No, but that doesn't mean he's not still a very good wide receiver in today's NFL. And yeah, you said it, man, 2020, we saw the very best version of him. 10th in PFF receiving grade and fifth in yards per hour run among 84 qualified players. Truly. I mean, Hey, you know, I've been banging the AJ, AJ drama, uh, you know, just bell. I've been hyping that dude up for freaking the last two years, but Corey Davis, just because AJ Brown's great. Doesn't mean Corey Davis can't be an awesome receiver in his own right as well. Last thing before we get on to the gut fuel section, that is the pass rush and as you said this really could be all three of their needs tied up in the one the only defenses that were worse in pressure rate last year the Jaguars the Bengals and Vikings absolutely brutal now I know they brought in Jadavian Clowney in the preseason we had some injuries we also just didn't have some great performance from him do you think Clowney will be back with the team in 2021 and like regardless are they just going to invest resources in this pass rush because again they need to do so they will invest resources in the pass rush. I don't think bringing Clowney back is truly investing in the pass rush. Yeah. I think bringing Clowney back is just solidifying. And, and see, Clowney is one of those guys that you have. He's not necessarily a pass rusher. He, he, he's still, you know, he's, you just tell him, hey, look, man, I, I need you to blow this play. Like, I need you to be disruptive. <laughs> and if you notice, Jeffrey Simmons, a guy who you, your group has rated highly consistently throughout the, the past year, if you notice, he had a lot of his best games with Clowney in the lineup because it just gives something else for the guys up front to be concerned about. You double-team Simmons, now Clowney's going to be able to, to wreck shot, right? And you double-team Clowney, Simmons is going to be able to do what he does. So I think it's more from that perspective, but absolutely they will address the pass run. I knew that for a fact. And don't be – well, we'll leave that for the bold prediction part. <laughs> Yeah, man, you said it with Clowney. I mean, it's not like, okay, sack numbers haven't exactly been there over the past few years, but if you just look a little bit beneath the surface and you start looking at some of these, you know, players that do see the most double teams in the league, Clowney mm-hmm. is one of those guys. But yeah. I know also, obviously, if you do have someone that's going to be getting double teamed, God, try to boost the guys around him to help get those sacks up elsewhere. So great stuff there. And those team needs for everyone. Pass rush, receiver, regardless of how the Corey Davis situation plays out, and also cornerback. Going to move on to our gut feel round. Again, we're recording this on February 15th. So, Toronto, is not Nostradamus, but we'll try to get uh, his thoughts here on some workload and more schematic type stuff related to next season. First up, obviously now we have tight end coach Todd Downing promoted to offensive coordinator to replace new Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, like you look at any stat you want over the past few years, particularly like any efficiency uh, related stuff, he's been a legit top 10 quarterback. Do you, yeah. expect, do you expect them to try to keep this 2021 offense, you know, pretty similar compared to what we see in the past despite the coaching change? Absolutely. And that's what went into the decision. In, in fact, Pep Hamilton is a guy that, that the team interviewed with and they were interested. But I, I think the continuity and having the scheme be very similar and, and also the language, that's just something that just kind of gets overlooked when you look at a, a change in scheme. And it, you think about it, right? You're very familiar with the Titans. I'm very familiar with the Titans. So it's easy for us to have this conversation because we already know what we're talking about. But imagine us having to say this conversation in Japanese. It'll be a little bit tougher, right? So when when the language is different from scheme to scheme, it could definitely cause a hiccup, and we would hesitate through it. It wouldn't be as fluent, and it's it's the same way with, with playing football. That's, that's a sport that's, that's supposed to be reactive, 
the times when you're out there thinking too much, that's when you get into trouble and you have that slight degree of hesitation. And as you know, in this game, you can't hesitate. You have to go. It reminds me of uh, when the Brown season ended and they were talking to Baker Mayfield and you know, he was crushed, obviously, that they lost. But he did bring up, or maybe it was Stefanski, but basically everyone was just really happy that Baker now gets to enter an offseason with the same coaching staff for once and be able to build upon that scheme, build on the previous years. And it's great yeah. the Titans are making an effort to do that because, yes, you're going to have great coordinators leave for better jobs. You know, credit to Arthur Smith and wish him the best and beyond. But, man, like Tannehill, again, number three quarterback in PFF passing grade over the past two seasons – Let's keep doing what's been working uh, if we can help it. And kind of on that subject, Tannehill, again, you know, PFF passing grades, one metric, but yards per attempt, adjusted completion rate. Anything you want to pull up, the guy's been great. With that said, in 2020, he ranked just 18th in total dropbacks. I understand, you know, we got 50 million reasons to continue to give Derrick Henry all the carries he can handle, but could you see them starting to brace a little bit more of a pass-heavy offense with how great Tannehill has been over the past season and a half? I, I don't think so. And you have to look. Whenever this team, and this is a conversation I had with Coach Arthur Smith multiple times, whenever this team needed to grab hold of the momentum and turn things around back in their favor, 22 was getting the rock. And it's just, it's what they're built upon. It, it really is. And it's ironic that you mentioned Kevin Stefanski because Todd Downing was there in, in Minnesota with him. And guess what happened when the football wasn't being toted enough? Mike Zimmer made a change, and Stefanski became the OC. So it's like, okay, Todd Downing saw that, uh, how you have to approach play calling when you have a defensive-minded head coach. I'm pretty sure that he's going to relay that over to this situation that he's in. So I would expect to see Henry continue to get the ball. And, I mean, when you've got a guy that can average five yards or more per carry, despite toting the rock over 300 times, I mean, that's, that's something that, yeah. I would definitely continue. I just think Tannehill, his numbers are great, and he is an outstanding quarterback, even number-wise. But you look at just dog-wise and just like football-wise, the and one throwing a touchdown to Adam Humphrey against <laughs> the Jaguars, and just the way that he plays ball, you definitely want to see more of him. But I don't think he's a guy that can be consistently 35 to 40 passes per game. I don't. That's not what I would do for him. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code PFF for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Virginia, call 888-532-3500. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversations and sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting in the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. And now back to the podcast. It's a, I love that you brought up that Humphreys throw, man. Just freaking gets drilled at the chin right yeah. as he releases the thing and still manages to put that ball between and, a few and, defenders on the dot. And yell and yells and one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize he yelled that mid-play. That's even better. He yelled and one. He, he threw it. 
He got hit. Missed the phone. He said, and one. You got to love it. That's absolutely amazing. But yeah, and uh, you know, similar basketball analogy. Like we can't just expect, you know, a three-point shooter that shoots 40% to double his, you know, attempts and, right. you know, get the same sort of efficiency. So certainly need that. And as much as my company loves to, you know, yell that running backs don't matter, I think we can, <laughs> it's, I, I think it's safe to say that Derrick Henry matters. I mean, last year, look, Derrick Henry went for 2K. Dalvin Cook had 1,557 rushing yards. Derrick Henry had 1,400 yards after contact, 1,409. Right. Yards. So if you want to rank the top runners, running backs. It was Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and then Derrick Henry after contact. Truly just a beast of a man. And I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Absolutely bonkers, man. So I want to stick with the running back room for a second because, again, yeah. we all know about Henry and how great he is. But behind him, it was a kind of funky rotation. We had Jerry McNichols, the guy, for a little bit, Darrington Evans. Even Deontay Foreman came out of nowhere to actually provide <laughs> some solid plays. So, you know, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. We never want anything bad to happen to Derrick Henry. But in fantasy land, sometimes we can get some nice value by identifying a backup running back who could be a three-down guy if the starter goes down. I remember the Titans a couple years ago, like giving Deion Lewis a full game's uh, workload if Derrick Henry was out do you see any of mcnichols evans or even foreman kind of being the priority backup running back we should be expecting to take over if a worst case scenario happens and henry misses time i don't i don't i think you know if god forbid derrick henry goes down you know remember the the, the drake song with antonio brown and <laughs> call god call <laughs> god it, it, yeah, you, you're going to be in really big trouble if he goes down. I don't see – that's not a slight on Darrington Evans. I think he's a guy that in stretches could definitely give you a lot. I love what he did down the stretch last year. Uh, I want to say the, the – the, I think it was the Texans game. It was – no, the Lions game. It was either the Texans or Lions game. But, you know, he had a stretch where he had an explosive play. He caught a screen. He broke a run. And then he caught a screen for a touchdown. And I was like, okay. I see that explosiveness that we saw at App State, but I don't think it will be over a continuous amount of time throughout the game. Never know, they could draft somebody, you know what I mean? But I, I don't think that he just he can't replace Derrick Henry. He didn't get those same results. He would have to do a whole lot of different things if he were to to be removed from the game for him. Yeah, and hey, you know, I again knocking on wood. Hopefully, we don't even have this. But the fact that Henry can play this effectively through hamstring strains and this and that, to your point, yeah, it's impossible to expect to replace you know an alleged mortal like Derrick Henry with uh, even one or two guys. So we're borrowing the, the we're borrowing as football fans and journalists and, and the Titans that we're borrowing Henry from another planet, another galaxy. <laughs> He's here for a little bit, so let's just enjoy. It. I love to ask the question, like if aliens invaded our planet, you know, who would we want to play a running back? And always one of the first like comments back is, are we positive Derrick Henry isn't already an alien? And the, exactly. dude, the dude might already be All right, a couple more questions on the passing game. And then we'll get you out of here. Looking at AJ Brown, man, again, it's always AJB wide receiver one season. The guy has balled out over the past two years, but when someone is playing this well, and then you look and you see that 36 other players have more targets than him last year in fantasy land, we get a little bit annoyed. We just want even bigger and better, even though AJ yeah. Brown's been that great already now he underwent the two offseason knee injuries again the fact he did this while banged up is even more crazy wrapping your head around Corey davis you don't know how that's going to go but either way do you see getting aj brown more of an elite wide receiver one workload a priority in 2021 was this something where he didn't even have double digit targets in a game until week 17 didn't have a rush attempt all season long can we expect the volume to go up now that he'll hopefully be in healthier shape come week one i think it'll go up slightly but one of the things that really stood out to me in talking to receiver coach Rob Moore 
I asked him just about having 2,000-yard receivers. At that point, it was almost a given that Corey Davis was going to get it. Fell 16 yards short. But he, he said the thing that we really hang our hat on is being able to have 1,000 yards on 50 to 60 catches. So that tells me they're not really as concerned about getting him more touches as it is about maximizing touches. And yards after catch, I don't know that there's a receiver in the league better than, than A.J. Brown. So it's really all about maximizing. So I say all that to say I can't see the volume going up a whole lot, but the fact that you're getting what you're getting from him per catch, I, I think is that, that's what they want. They, they want to just, just have that. Obviously, you're always striving for more and striving to get better, but I don't think it's going to jump up into, like, Stephon Diggs-type targets, you know. I mean, we're talking about the fourth-ranked scoring offense. I get it. They don't need to really change much of anything to right. you know, keep this elite right. offense. But, obviously, in fantasy land, we want all the targets we can get in A.J. Yeah. Brown. Being that good of a player, it would be nice to get uh, more. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the yards after the catch. To me, like, what makes A.J. Brown so crazy with the yards after the catch is he's getting these yards after the catch, like 15, 20 yards downfield, and then making stuff happen. We've seen guys yeah. like Golden Tate, you know, Percy Harvin, even like the West Walkers over the years. They rack up the yards for the catch, but they're on a bunch of screens and stuff around a line. Scrimmage. Yeah. AJ Brown, man, I've heard the comp, but he really is kind of our generation's Terrell Owens. I know it's, you know, yeah. you don't want to say these top three wide receivers compare him that much, but he truly seems like he has that sort of just ungodly ceiling. That's, a, that's an excellent comparison. And really, what it comes down to is the strength after the catch. Yeah. You see, you see guys go back 2019, I want to say week 12 against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Daryl Worley, we're talking about a 200 plus pound uh, cornerback, 6'2, like 210. Man, A.J. Brown caught that slant, chucked like this, Worley bounced off of him. And a matter of fact, he missed the rest of the game. And then you see that consistently, just that dude's ability, the Ravens game. Well, what can the, the catch, right, to, to where he carried Patrick Queen and every resident in Baltimore into the end zone? I mean, <laughs> these are the type of things that he does. And that's why it's so much fun to watch him. But the real key and the difference between A.J. Brown and Terrell Owens, and I'm not saying he's better than T.O. outside of Andre Reed is my favorite receiver of all time. So I I want to have context here, but he catches the football more clean than T.O. does. And he accelerates through through the ball. So in other words, he's running that slant, and you'll see him. He's not slowing down and catching the ball like this. He's running through it, boom, catch, tuck it, and going. And that's what makes him so good after the catch. So it's – I mean, we could do the whole show on A.J. Brown. <laughs> and he's someone that I've been speaking about since, what, 2018, to be exact. You know, his, his sophomore year. That's one guy that I, I definitely, you know, love watching play. And he's probably my favorite receiver in the game right now. I am. He is absolutely my favorite wide receiver in the game. And hey, it's a long off season, man. We might have to get back, get you back on here, do a completely AJ Brown episode before hey, it's all said and done. <laughs> Last thing, another just freakish athlete the Titans happen to have on their offense. I mean, seriously. I mean, these guys just walking off the bus must be terrorizing any defense that season. But John U. Smith, understood yeah. free agent, absolute monster. Do we think he's going to be back, or is it a situation where he's just kind of played himself out of a contract, particularly considering the Titans? I mean, you know, maybe they don't have another tight end quite as good as John U., but Ferkser and some of these other guys, we've seen them produce as well. Yeah, Ferkser is a restricted free agent, so I would imagine he'll be back. i tell you what's interesting. They have Jack Pinkney, Parker Hess, and um, I forget the other gentleman's uh, name. That's all they have on, on, on the contract right now. 
So I, I think John Smith is a guy – I know that he and Todd Downing are very close. I would imagine if it comes down to it, they'll place the tag on him. I think he has a very high priority as far as free agents that they'll retain. And it, it would be wise for them to do that, especially if Coach Downing wants to do some of the things that Arthur Smith does. You don't really see a tight end lining up in the backfield, but, you know, <laughs> but there were times where he did that. And even in 19, he took a sweep, uh, 57 yards. You know what I mean? So having that versatility and that type of guy that you could just pluck all over the, the, the formation, I think is key. Um, one thing, if they don't just, you know, put a little draft nugget in there. If they don't re-sign John Smith, they're not able to bring him back. I tell you, a guy like Miami's Brevin Jordan would be awesome in, in that same type of role. In fact, he would be a good pick even if they do resign John o. Smith. Then you could have – now, I always joke with John o. and Delaney Walker. I, I say, you know, you guys are what I saw the 49ers do with, with Delaney and Vernon Davis. You know, but you have that 12 personnel package to match up really well, yeah. that, that would be a good, good thing for that offer. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that, that run you mentioned where he just literally, you know, lines up as the deep back in eye formation, just takes a sweep and goes six yards downfield. You see the guy with the ball in his hands and he legit resembles like, I, I don't want to even say a running back, like a 240 pound running back with speed, I guess. I mean, he is, you know, I, with all due respect, you know, you know I think we got to put George Kittle and Kelsey and, you know, maybe those guys at the top. But any conversation about the top three, you know, yak tight ends, I think needs to have Johnny Smith in it. All right, man. So let's get you uh, out of here after your one bull call can be related to the draft offseason 2021 projection, perhaps. What you got? Well, I'm going to go. I was muted uh, somehow. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're good. I I'm going to go uh, four edge players are added to this roster. And I'm not seeing four players just like so-and-so from San Diego Christian College. I'm talking about four significant players uh, from the edge position, two in free agency and, and two in the draft. They're going to really hammer that edge position. So that's my bold prediction. Again, 29th ranked defense and pressure rate of when we talked about the team needs, you said pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, potentially. I love it. Go fill up that edge. Get a defense to complement, again, what's been a top five offense over the past two yeah. seasons. Would love to see it. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And thank you, Teron, for the time. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. Teron, what else you got uh, coming up and what, where, can the, where can the people hear you? Yeah, for sure. I have a actually podcast. It's called Talking with TD. You can find it on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. Just had Felipe France on last week. Had Mel Kuyper on the week before. This week I got a couple couple guys too. Uh, Kay Johnson, I've said, uh, was it South Dakota State? Sorry about that. But he's <laughs> a slot receiver, and I'll have a couple pass rushers on. So definitely check that out. You can search that. Um, ESPN.com. Make sure you you click on that that teams page and then Titans, and you can follow all my Titans work there as well. Great stuff there. I was talking with TD, and again, at T Davenport underscore NFL on Twitter. He's Teron. I'm Ian. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.